still streaming. Holmberg's Morning Sickness. Online at 98kupd.com. There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Good morning, everybody. Hello there. Welcome to Friday. It is 545. This is the Morning Sickness. My name's John. There's Brady. There's Brett. Somewhere around here is Big Dick Toledo. We're ready to go. Another glorious day here in uh, beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. And hopefully you start off a good day and uh, keep it good all weekend long because it's going to be hot. Hope you have a plan rather than just constantly complaining to do uh, whatever it is you do. Don't to- take the complaining yeah. away, man. We <laughs> yeah. love it. We can complain. We do love the drama of, oh, it's so terrible. But you know what? There's things you can do to combat it and do that. I feel I, The reason I say that is because I got guys working on my house right now. I got a little project going with some construction. And those dudes are on ladders up on that roof <laughs> in the middle of the day. And I'm like, no one who's in air conditioning should complain about what's going on in their world's when you see what these dudes are doing, and with a smile on their face, it's payday for them. They're happy. They're, they show up there. I mean, in the middle of the day, I had a guy show up yesterday at like 2.30, 3 o'clock. Gets that big silver ladder out there, leans it up against the house, and he's up on the roof doing something. When he came back and touched that ladder, I watched him put, like, oven mitts on. Like He was, he was going to torch himself. That ladder had been sitting in the sun, direct sun, for... It had to be 20, 30 minutes. And I'm like, that thing is on fire right now. But it's his only way up, up and down. Meanwhile, you're laying in the house, drinking oh. a mojito, wearing your cabana wear, <laughs> oh. and just enjoying I, life. Johnny Cabana was watching all this <laughs> through a window going, this poor sucker, and he's fine. Ow. Yeah, so I'm like, boy. Hey, turn down the AC a little bit. And then I went out to, to roll a hose up. I got about halfway through, and I just threw it behind a bush. I'm like, I'm not standing out here anymore. It's miserable. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, the, so it's, you know. Not to say that it could be worse, whatever you got going, but we got we got ways around it, is what I'm saying. It's still a beautiful, beautiful day. And we got the sun. It's better than anything else. So we'll get used to it. It's just hot. That's all. Don't be stupid. That's the only rule. Speaking of stupid, Brady and I were talking about this before. I don't know what's going on with college sports, but you want to talk about bad management. These dudes are dumb. Like, we talked about the NIL and, and TV deals and everything. The money getting involved in college athletics was always something that was there. But once they started to have to, like, learn that paying athletes was going to be a thing, and they panicked. It, and it got to that point where they, you got to figure something out. They've lost their minds. Uh, places like ASU are going to be wasteland places for D-level high school football players. There's nobody's, nobody's coming to ASU until they figure this. It's going to be a few years for ASU and U of A have quality programs because they can't afford what Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, these giant TV contract deals. that So they're leaving the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 is over. In order to, over. And that's one of the moves to do that is to alleviate that. And to try that, to find money. Get, we'll get on a bigger network. Yep. They're searching a revenue stream. Yep. It's all about, like, where, where do we get paid? You get $22 million a year per school or something like that from Pac-12 TV deals. And now that UCLA and USC are gone, you've got no Los Angeles. So that's the Pac-12 not getting giant media money. Big 12 is now 16 teams. And USC and UCLA are going to the Big 10. And they're going to a place to make even more because that is a powerhouse. 
The Big 12's trying to be, but you got a whole bunch of like mm, almost schools. Pretty good, not great. TCU was a big one last year. You got a few good ones, but, but big enough that those networks and people will follow. They'll get more exposure. Thirty-seven million per yep. school. So you get thirty-seven million per school on average. That's what they'll get. So that'll allow them to pay a little bit more. <laughs> but they're still not getting the sixty and seventy that the uh, SEC is going to get. The massive. It's a mess. It's a mess. And so you look at it. And traditionally, I don't like college football because I always thought. We just all we did with this was peel off the blinders. It's always been this dirty maggot festival of who has the most money, and that, but it's been under this phony guise. Of you have life. to run the table. It, well, right, but it's all this phony guise of amateurism, and it's for the love of football. No, it's not. It's about where's the money? How do we hide the money? How who was the, the college football to me was always who was the best at skirting the system illegally. And, and getting to get away the best with. recruits, They're always getting team. away with you know their own rules being circumvented, so they could keep this ruse of amateurism alive. Which is the Olympics learned it back in the late eighties when they're like, "Why do we keep saying it's amateur sports? We're paying these people a lot. Can't take money and tell you you're right. It's stupid. That's why I never got into college football. Same. Everybody's like, "Oh, I don't know how you watch the NFL. College is so pure." Pure. It's, it's, it's you know, the at least, least they're pure. out and open I know. about exactly. they want money. It's but I can tell you pure. why you never got into it, too. There was no, you didn't have a, a winner. Not true. It's different. We grew up here in the 80s. ASU was yeah. really good. They're, I mean, they were a Rose Bowl contender every year uh, in a tougher still. Pac-10. And Glendale Community College, man, they were great. <laughs> right. We had a lot of community <laughs> coaches. I'm not kidding. It, Brady, when you, when you were here in the 80s, the only game in town was ASU. That stadium was packed. And full. the U of A ASU rival Huge. was pretty good. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a big not, deal. It, it, You've never seen it, so yeah. Yeah, you're right. As of like 19, I can well, tell you, I've been here 31 years. Right, it was 97 was the last time you saw yeah. any life in that when the Jake Plummer, Pat Tillman, but it was uh, baffling to me. Freeman that that 97 team when they beat Nebraska was the first time they made the NFL and the Suns and all the other stuff kind of disappear for a minute. ASU football used to be the biggest deal in this city, and I mean, it shut it down. It was maroon and gold. The song was playing all the time. Right. Couldn't turn the TV on without somebody going, oh, my God, ASU's got a game. It was nuts, and, and it started in the mid-'80s. Once they went to the Pac-12, once they got kind of you know through that whole, we're, we're now a, a real school, and you started seeing players come in, go to the NFL. But this it was changed a, you know, a little bit. Of course, you know, it ended up getting and the bent out of shape and, between the know. BCS the the deal was you know if your team that you're following is like man can they run the table no there's and none of that. There was and, none of that. well they were ten and one the year they went to the Rose Bowl lost their last game against U of A in '87 the yeah. first time they went and they uh, and that was know, an unbelievable season that it was, was great fun and then '97 was even better lost to Ohio State but they were they were a potential contender the the two things that killed ASU the Cardinals came to town and we grew an incredible population from 1988 to about 19 or yeah 1988 to 95 an explosion of people from somewhere else yeah so nobody got asu nobody like there was a, a whole million and a half people in this four million person city that showed up and we're like we don't care well, no was, longer a college right. town it, yeah it was no, it, it's exactly so. what it used to be it was so. the only game in town yep. no d-backs nope. no cardinals no no uh hockey and, you know what i mean just there was, was nothing it was the sun's huge yeah. ticket it was great so they had it yeah they fumbled it. They screwed it all up. ASU used to be, like, fun. Oh, you couldn't go to, like, a Walgreens. Every every shirt in there was ASU. Everything used to be, like, everything was ASU. It was Yeah, nuts. and it's still, it's amazing that, you know, like, Columbus, High State has pushed everyone else out of there. Yeah. I don't know if they've done that, but they haven't well, brought, uh, you know, 
basketball right. or any other pro sport, major league soccer. You got hockey. That's it. And, that that, and then just recently hockey, but, most yeah. recent. Yeah, and they've got, you know, the tradition of being there for 120 years. They've got the tradition of winning. Yeah. They've got, you know, the Michigan, the big TV rivalries once TV came in. And now ASU doesn't have a chance. They, they, I'm, honestly, they don't have a chance with the new setup. So college football, it, it's never been pure. It's never been what it says it is. It's, it's, amateur sports has always been a crooked nightmare. And that's, I'm with you, Brad. I always thought, well, I watch the NFL because those guys at least have the arrogance to go, it's about the money. It's right. about the money. It's about the money. They're never, and that's why I don't like when the NFL goes off on these charity tangents, pretending like all these guys, they're, they're making money on those too. Like that, the, when that lady came out for the Susan, like G, checks. Susan G. Komen said her 10 year deal with uh, the NFL, we ended up with like $8 million in donations and this hundreds of millions. But they, all they said was, you're getting the exposure. We, we gave you a platform. It's true, and that's all Susan that's G. All they wanted. That's all Susan G. Komen has fought for. So, but they, you know, they thought you thought that this, you know, the breast cancer awareness thing, wearing pink and all that, was meaningful. But when the money dried up, they cut it. I mean, you don't see that anymore. You see the pink month in the NFL? They didn't have an agreement for finances anymore. It was never about how they felt. It was about, are you paying us for this? Cool, we'll put your posters up. We'll do this. It was never about, like, the breast cancer thing. So you see that with the NFL, too. But college has always been a big, fat lie. And it's, uh, you know, who can who can make the most and force out all the others? ASU, it, ASU yeah. will be a terrible It wasn't terrible always like that, but it's been that it's, way for as the TV, as more money became, in right. you know, into the equation. I imagine it has always been like that, even when it was just a few. When they're like, all right, Michigan got two new recruits. Ohio State's sitting there thinking, eh, we can't afford to lose a third. What do we do to help this kid out? And it was probably so oh, much sure. easier I mean, to pay them the back. Alumni, yeah. you know, that was just the way. Look, uh, the Olympics were paying people for years and years, and everybody said it was paying until we caught them. And they were like, "How long has this been going on?" Oh, the entire time. When you when, when winning, when competition and money meet, it's crooked immediately. It has it, it immediately. You, exactly. You see that thing on the Olympics? Oh, the. Eastern Bloc. Yeah. It was never uh, pure. Countries are using steroids. Sure. We so didn't really we. point the, so point the flag. We. We we're like, what are you, uh, what so you got going didn't. on here? No. Drago <laughs> did, but Rocky was clean. Drago, I, I've seen, there's footage of that. I've seen Drago take the needle. <laughs> Rocky right. was in a barn. That's Duke. right. Yeah, you're right. The USA's never done anything like that. Please, stop it. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, those Eastern Bloc, they started cheating with steroids. What do you think they got them? We were pumping those things out like crazy. <laughs> we didn't yeah. Blow the whistle all the way. Send a doctor over there the like, what are you guys using over there? <laughs> I mean, what they did hey, was... Hey, buddy. Here's what the Eastern Bloc... Con- con- well, geez, John, countries did before. <laughs> and words stumble over it every time. <laughs> but what are you going to do? I'm American. So the Eastern Bloc ones were the first ones to be like, yeah, we're using them. And uh, check this out. we got a 195-pound weightlifting woman. <laughs> it's like, huh? And then their swimmers were... Like, they just abused it and made it obvious they were using it. We did it. Was less obvious in sports. We made guys, them better. Yeah, when sports were supposed to be huge guys, they probably went nuts and abused it. But the Eastern Bloc started handing it to the ladies, and I don't think we did that so quick. Like our girls were still trying to be like girls. Those Eastern Bloc chicks showed up and were like we're using them too. And like oh, we gave them the, and they're using them for everybody. We didn't see that coming. We took the technology and stepped it up to the next yeah, level. But we, I think we were kind of like we still don't want our ladies. I think it was a perception thing. I think Germany and Romania and all that were like, we don't care if you think we have nothing but ugly bitches. We're going to win gold. And we were still rolling out like cute girls, pretty swim, like pretty women were doing our stuff. And they're like, oh, Jesus, if we want to win, we got to start juicing them. 
And then you'll notice that it started to change. We don't have as many hot athletes as we used to. They get a lot of. Oh, just look at the WNBA. WNBA is a perfect example. But it's, uh, yeah, so it's watching that whole Pac 12 thing disintegrate. So it's sort of sad if college cared so much about what they've said they cared about, which is traditions. They would have protected this thing if traditions really mattered to them. Traditions have never mattered to college football. It's always been about, is this tradition making us money? Keep that tradition. The Pac-10, Big Ten, you know, Rose Bowl, uh, those two teams placed it. And now it became like, well, this isn't making as much money as this other thing. So traditions have been thrown away every single year for the last 35 years. And and college football is just, it's garbage. uh, you know, and that revenue for the colleges are brought in, you know, yeah. by real estate. You, you look at in you, you know, certain towns, you're like, wow, this university owns. owns it's like the largest land, landowner yeah. in that thing. city. Yep. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I don't, I've, I, I shake my head at all of it. College football saying, oh, it's the tradition of love. And it's, you, you have thrown away every single tradition college football's had for a hundred years. They're still there. Oh, please. They're still there. Because they're trying to pretend, but they, if they were, if they were truly about the traditions, they'd have protected them. They've allowed them all to go. The, you know, between the championship game, the playoffs and all the other stuff, it's about how can we pull money out? And good, go get your money, but stop telling me it's about the past or anything else. It's not. You got some good rivalries. That's, yeah. that's, there's your traditions, but that's going to live, that's going to live in sport no matter what. You're, you know, caring about the Big Ten's history, gone. Caring about Pac-10's history, which isn't lengthy, gone. USC and UCLA going over to the Eastern thing, that's ridiculous. I don't know how it's going to work, but... It sucks. Yeah. What it, but it'll, it'll figure it out. It'll, it'll, it'll be a cash travel over yeah. or But you're going to see five really, good, five really, really good teams. And then the rest. ASU's going to be a catastrophe until they figure out how to... Until you get a Matt Ishbia type that comes in and becomes the dean of athletics... Which is just basically big, owner. Big checkbook, yeah. And then, yeah, and then you need the T-Boone Pickens. You need that guy. Exactly. Remember when Oklahoma State was nothing? T-Boone Pickens like, here you go. Billions of dollars. And they're like, wow, now we're a viable group. We can have a new stadium. And <laughs> No, you, you pay players. This man needs medical attention. Holmberg's morning sickness. Holmberg's morning sickness. College college sports has always been a crooked, dirty mess. Slave trade. Always called it slave trade. Free labor to advance them to the next big farm. That's all it's ever been. And, you know, the really tough slaves got a little extra. It's, it's The blueprint is slavery. How do we make it free and give them the promise of being in a better situation someday? And then the really good ones will get a little extra. They can come up to the big house. They can hang around with the, you know, the elites. And they'll come to us. It's crazy. So much. It's sad in the way. I guess so much money comes into the universities, and they come up with this NIL deal. It's like, how can we come up with a deal where we can still save the money, the revenue that we're right. coming in? I hand it to the to the you know whoever was in charge of helping the athletes get money because they're looking around, going, really, thirty seven million per school just for the TV revenue on a on a locally generated thing, not even national, not even bowl money, and the, and you're collecting merchandise cash you're collecting ticket money you're collecting all this and we don't get any of it no 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 you get an education and you get a lovely opportunity to be part of a rich tradition you'll be a legend here they kept throwing rich tradition around garbage been lying to college kids for hundreds of years and and trust me traditions mean nothing to them because when something stops making money they cut the program 
ASU Swimming's been a powerhouse for a long time. Nah, no money. Caught it. Oh, I thought we could fund that with it. Nah, football money's. Well, we got to keep that in-house. Nah, garbage. They're done. That's a mess. And maybe they'll, I think they should, they'll figure out something to do and eventually it'll be there, but just make it a business. Make it the NFL junior. Be straight. Yeah, be straight with us. That's what they try to do with the, I mean, there's a step in the right direction, but it's, you know, with the NIL saying. It's a step in the right direction of finally making it good that you can't use their images anymore like they did Ed O'Bannon on the cover of uh, NBA. Even after they leave. The college. Well, EA Sports was using college numbers and uniforms yeah. and their faces and not using names. And Ed O'Bannon, like, that's me on the cover. Like, we, all, everyone knows who's – I never got a penny for this because college disallowed it. And then he kind of sued him and said he can't do that anymore, which is right. Johnny Manziel, as much as I hate him, was like, you're selling my jersey. You're selling the, the Texas – the a and number two is me. So, like, fine. You're right. We are. They just changed it. The only number we'll sell is 12, and there's no name on it. And, uh, we'll retire the number 12 and make the fans feel like we've done something for them, and that's the only jersey you can buy. So now you dickheads can start saying we're selling your image, but we're selling your image. It's I think about, um, because it's too far, uh, they've been gone for a while, but the amount of money, at least on the Ohio State-Michigan deal, oh that they used with Bo Schembechler and Woody. Sure. I mean, they're still in the mix, and yeah. I... I as far as Almost paying guarantee, them? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing going to the estate or... How many Archie you know, you Griffin how that, jerseys sold? Archie when, Griffin? When you were a kid, when, how many um, kids wore Archie Griffin number? Still do. I, that's what, but even before... And yeah. yeah. He's not getting anything from that. Yeah. It's crazy. They they put him on the payroll. He's the yeah, uh, oh, ambassador yeah, they, yeah. for yeah. the... Uh, he's part of the rich deal. tradition. But, you know, this Sorry. was a few years ago. Um, Chris Spielman had a little beef because they're still using his image on a lot of stuff he's right and he's like i have it i have my own deals here you can't yeah you know he had like a deal with chevrolet or whatever but they're putting him on honda ads right. locally like you can't do that it's the spielman jersey it's crazy yeah had you lived here in the 80s you'd have seen it's very similar there were tailgate parties there were people at home the issue flags were everywhere it did die completely and a little taste of it there when Plummer took the team to the Rose Bowl that one year. And, that and was then a, it died right away. And then immediately died after that because they couldn't sustain any – because they couldn't pay people. They got lucky for a couple of years. The Club Rio thing. Well, that didn't that didn't yeah. cause any of that. <laughs> and tell me what college player wasn't manhandling chicks at Club Rio. I mean, You Vontae's, didn't find out about that. Oh, Vontae's well, birth. better people over at those other colleges. I have handlers. three or four cop friends that were around during the Vontae's perfect mm. years. And how often – the ASU had a guy – Hired to stay around Vontae's. He wasn't going to stay home. He's like, you stay around him. When it goes sideways, you go in and clear the people that are about to fight him and get him out of there. I had a friend who played basketball with Vontae's over at uh, LA Fitness. And there was a dude there just in case Vontae started swinging on people to go, all right, time to go, everybody. And they'd clear everybody else out. He had a handler to get him out of situations before the cops showed up. It was a cop. He's like, our goal, like an ASU cop or one of those, he was like a security guy saying, I got to get you out of here before the real police show up. No one's going to know mentor. you were Several times. And he still got caught like three or four times. So, yeah. Kicking chicks at clubs. That's, that's the rich tradition of college sports. The cover-ups are the rich tradition of college sports. And uh, ASU is now new rivals with TCU and Baylor and 
I guess Kansas and West Virginia. They're all in the same conference. Doesn't make any sense at all. Nothing regional about the big ASU West Virginia battle that's coming in Morgantown next year. But just you know, make it a business. And you and would be the same way, right? They're bouncing you, you out. A, okay. Well, they're meeting today to see if they're going to go okay. together. So. They met yesterday. Yeah. Well, U of A is the one that's the board won- of regents met. Yeah. U, U of A wants to go. ASU's kind of dragging their feet, so it's a more powerful if they both go together. So right, we'll see. But ASU football's lost its magic anyway, so the fact that they didn't make a deal with the Cardinals to jump in that dome is a bigger deal because nobody wants to sit in this hot box. For, they got four games in the first six weeks uh, in the, it's it's, it's September. It's a cool stadium. It's you a great just, stadium. You could modify it. Too goddamn hot in there yeah. in September to sit and watch an average or bad team. They're not good. I'm not sitting in those seats to watch bad football. I, Call me fair weather because that's exactly what I am. It's too goddamn hot. It's brutal. So first four weeks, yeah, for sure you're avoiding not going. That was the old Frank Cushwell, and I like this new coach. He makes some practice in this. They don't go to Tonazona anymore. He's got him out in the field right now, and he goes, "It's an advantage for us." Yep. And Frank Cush used to tell Mark Malone used to say Frank Cush the reason they beat USC back in 1980, which was a powerhouse, is because they practiced in 110 degrees and they and they had a day game. And uh, he's like, you think you're hot. These dudes aren't used to it. At least you've been in it. And he said, we watched the USC players after the kickoff run and get oxygen. Uh, they didn't know what to do. Like, they were trying to get air. And it, it was like, they're dying out here. And he said, we pushed them all over the field. And then, of course, a few years later, for TV money, issues, you know, he's a dude in the Gene, Gene, what's his name, at Ohio State. He's like, we can't have day Gene games. Smith. What are we doing with day games? I'm like, I don't know. Having a massive advantage over the opponent? No, no, no. We're going to move all the games to 7 or 8 o'clock. Well, then now the teams that don't have to worry about the heat. It's still hot. It's not direct sun hot. ASU's had an advantage for years. Now, the problem was fans weren't going to go to that. Yeah. So, it's money. It's always been money. So, goodbye to ASU. Probably going to just close the school now. <laughs> just the whole thing. It's all about football. Who cares about their academics? They uh, took away one of the things. I mean, it was a little slight thing, but there used to be, you know, some of those grounds where you had the tailgating happening. Yeah, and they put buildings. They all built. Of they this. built up everything, but still, it was, it was a real cool setup. There's cool places you can still go, but if there's no like you know, there's no like this is where we tailgate. This is like you're trying to Your find field, a spot. Like yeah. East Field. Or yeah. What? They built stuff all around it. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a very strange situation. So ASU will not be the same. And now, and now you want to talk about traditions. Nobody's going to go see West Virginia, ASU, the big, you know, Big 12 battle. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. It doesn't matter, especially when one's really bad anyway. Uh, we got the, I remember the, uh, was it yesterday or the day before that I had uh, the guy tell me about the virginity party? Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. He emailed back and he goes, well, Holmberg, I lost. The daughter is heading to the horror party and no one in my family is talking to me. Big fights. Uh, she's not allowed in my house anymore. Screw this. I'll let my wife do all the corrupting of this uh, child. Uh, both of them hate me because I stood my ground. I called them both whores. I said, we're raising a whore, and we're proud of it. Also, through the process of this, I learned that my daughter hasn't had sex, but is evidently fairly uh, adept with the oral. My wife has some new-age philosophy going at the house where she speaks freely with my daughter about her womanhood, and they've discussed how she blows dudes at school. And my wife is like, we need to be okay with it because it's part of being a human. Uh, she's making up, my wife is making up for no one ever having taught her anything. So she's saying that a woman never gets a chance to learn about pleasurable physicality. Being in touch with her feelings will lead to know how she receives and gives pleasure. She's 15, goddammit, so I guess I'll be a grandpa before I'm 41. 
I knew the day would come, and I had no idea it would be this awful. Uh, good luck, parents. The world sucks. Sylvester, Brett, don't call me Sly. <laughs> well, look, Sly. Yeah. You should <laughs> So now he's not talking to her because of the virginity party. Now, I need Sly to email... Sylvester, sorry. See? Sylvester, sorry. <laughs> I need him to email me back and tell me where this thing is. I just want to sit... Well, that's a little perverted. Yeah, I Sit in the road yeah. outside and just listen to the virginity party. That's crazy. But yeah, his, now his And so what's going to happen with the... Uh, the missus that's, uh, you know, talking openly with the daughter and everything about enjoying well, the physicality, I guess. If that's it's his the, ex-wife, right? Uh, right, it's his ex-wife, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's his ex-wife. Because he kept saying, his wa- I thought it was like, no, that's still his, married? No, 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 it's his ex-wife. That's, his, that's the kid's mom. Yeah. And she's wanting to be the teenage talk buddy. That's what I thought. To, okay. his, to her daughter about sex because she didn't have anybody in her life. So now it's like, I wish I could have had someone to talk to. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Mess your mind up. <laughs> Are you good at oral? Do you or do you find oral pleasurable? It's like it's what what Father Dale did to my buddy Andy when we were fifteen and walking across that parking lot at St. Tim's, and he looked at Andy and he goes, "You're still dating Tanya, aren't you?" Uh huh. Do you two perform? And he said it in such a creepy way. Do you do you two perform masturbation on each other? Do you masturbate in front of her? Does she do it in front of you? Well, Father Dale, I mean, yeah, we have moments where we're like, you can tell me. In fact, you have to. I'm your priest. And I'm sitting there like, I just met this dude. It was that weird thing. You don't want to talk to people yeah. like that about that. But evidently, this little girl feels comfortable with mom, and mom's telling dad, you know, our daughter blows guys. She's not a, she's still a virgin, but she's she's working her way up. So prepare, basically saying, prepare yourself. The dude, I, wonder, the dude, I don't think I'd want to hear that. Out. Yeah. He checked out. He's I wonder him. if yeah. it has something to do with that. They're, they're apart. And she's just oh, doing this to she's being the friend. Cage. She's the girl's best friend, yeah. and dad's yeah. the hard ass. Yeah. It's, it's, but whether or not how much of that is, you know, she knows this is getting a rise out of him. Oh, yeah. She's crushing him. Yeah. She's, and, and winning over the daughter with this, like, hey, mom's my pal. Dad's putting his foot down and being a responsible individual, saying we don't do this. Like, we keep our daughter from terrible sexual mistakes at an early age. The consequences are horrifying. I feel bad for this guy. I don't, because you know why? Fifteen and a half years ago, he celebrated when she said, I'm pregnant! I'm like, oh boy! Nah, it's never a celebration. I always think of 15 years, 16 years from now, when your daughter's got a mouthful of nuts. I celebrate Dr. Lynn. <laughs> right. And here's the... Again, sad- you got to, you know, going back to it, like, I think about, like, how, how would I handle that? I'm like, well... How would you handle how that? How would what you would handle that? Friday edition. And this was, I would tell him to keep to his... You know, moral stance with his daughter. If if she's with me, um, you know, look, there's no slumber parties with guys aren't going to be staying over. That's just the way it is. It's just, you know, you have your deal with your mom. Right. And you just hope, you know, she can make the decisions, even though she is that age. She's making them against your will, like the virginity. We don't know to what. She's going to hate you, though. I don't know. Well, if she does, then, you know, I mean, they'll go through a. Everyone talks about the the phase of it's the rebel teen. Still, though, mom coming to dad going, you know, our daughter's gargling some balls on the reg, and I think we need to be okay with that. It's like, no, I know she's doing it, but I don't have to be okay with it. This man needs medical attention. Holmberg's morning sickness. Holmberg's morning sickness. I'm going to lose yeah, my mind. Yeah, I don't. You know, that's I, it's similar. I think uh, my parents never really asked what was going on. Don't ask, on. don't tell. Right. Yeah. 
And there's the uh, and we like, tried not to flaunt it. Right, by but any the means. opposite angle is the act like it's not happening. Yeah, have the talk, but don't celebrate it. Yeah, you know, be open enough I just to want say you it's to a make, thing. You know, yeah. make good decisions. I won't, I won't talk I, to Brady. I trust you. Right. I trust you on. You, you know. don't though. When she's gargling balls, you can't trust. Well, her. after you have the talk, just say I want you to make. Please, no. you know. <laughs> yeah, when she's going. When Dee okay, says, "I've got a date. I gotta go. Thanks for the talk." It's like, yeah. all right, all right. I, I hope that registered. I won't talk to Brady about this, but think about you, Brett. When you were fifteen, you're at Big Surf throwing fingers. A couple of years earlier, you're learning them. You you would love a fifteen year old girl to be a ball gargler, and that word gets out. Virginity party goes out. You're, you know, it's like uh, the Terminator. Boop, 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 boop. That eye goes, well, there they are. Those are the ones that do it. Oh, I'm skateboarding by yeah. every 10 seconds. What was the great phrase that pays in, uh, you know, you know uh, 8th, ninth, 10th grade? She puts out. Oh, yeah. Once word got out. That she, she does? She does. She became a lot more popular and also scary. And, uh, super and scary, also yeah. over the over the top too much. She puts out. Like, ah, now, wait a minute. Now. She puts out and she's a horror. Two different things. Right. Right. She puts out was like because that was Jelly I Jordan. I gotta date her. Jelly Jordan was the whore. I could yeah. have told you that. Yeah. <laughs> her name was Jelly K Y no, Jelly her Jordan. Her name was Shelly Jordan. Oh. But the, oh. <laughs> she earned that. Yeah. <laughs> ah. K Y Jelly Jordan. I want to meet her. How many kids did she end up with? A lot. And I bet you even before there's uh, like a graduated. mocha one. There's a, <laughs> like a lily white one. There's a strange one with a huge head of hair. She worked it well. Yeah. Uh, good. I like Jelly Jordan. Yeah, we had a couple of them that got the rep as being whores. And then a couple of them that put out. And then the few's like, she doesn't put out at all. My friend Mark, on his Diamondback bicycle, I'm breaking up with Tiffany. I'm tired of just the hand stuff. She's got to put out. All right. And I'm sitting there just like, wow, we're doing this? I didn't know people did this yet. I've, I still need to touch tongues with someone. Probably not going to happen for a couple of years. And it didn't. But yeah, you're uh, the, the putting out girls were the ones. So if they're making big parties, virginity parties, where they're announcing, you know, this one puts out, and here's all their friends that are celebrating it. Oh my! I coached that basketball team of 13 year olds, and they were telling me the coach what a rainbow party was. And I'm like, what's a rainbow party? The girls put on lipstick, different colors, and uh, they each blow you, and then you try to earn eight colors on your wristbands. The girls would walk around with wristbands. Representing a color, and then they do the they perform the act, and then give the kid the purple. Like I earned purple, yellow, and orange. I gotta get. I'm almost Roy G. Biven up my arm. And there were kids, but I, you know how much they actually did and how much was right. Real. Still, thirteen, and I'm sitting there going, and the kid's name was Brad. Now Brad, the leader that was telling me this thing, uh, father at sixteen, I think he's in his thirties and is a grandfather. He's it, crazy. Yeah. But he was the one time. And the other kids were like, yeah, yeah, rainbow parties. It's a, and one, the one good-looking one, which made me nervous that it was actually real, had like four colors on his arm for basketball practice. He had you know, indigo and yellow and orange. And I'm like, that, this kid's pretty good. This Jaron kid's got it figured out. And he was athletic. And you could tell he was the one of the group that I was coaching. But rainbow, I, we sat around at the end of the practice once. And I'm like, what's with all the wristbands, boys? Kind of gay. Got rainbow wristbands going on. Oh, it's gay. gay. <laughs> Coach thinks it's gay. It's a little gay. Explain it to me. What are you doing? Every time I get blown by a girl with a different color lipstick, she gives me a color. I'm like, Jesus Christ, can I come party with you guys? <laughs> and it, yeah, so you got to be very careful with that. But when I was 15, 
virginity party's happening. I'm standing outside of that virginity party about nine ten o'clock with door prizes. Hello, ladies. Hi, my name's John. I hope you enjoyed your night. <laughs> if you need a ride home, I'm here for you. So good luck over there. Not Sly Sylvester. But now his whole family won't talk Poor to him. Poor dude. Yeah, now his whole family won't talk. I don't know how you'd handle it, Brady, if uh, it ever came to you that that was a thing. I think you'd drop dead. It'd be a tough one. I think you'd drop dead if uh, if the news came free of even someone adjacent to your beloved was like just a gargle queen. <laughs> and there was some sort of party for it. I, like, oh, I think I, any dad would be. Oh, I mean, man. This is one of the big reasons I didn't want to be a dad. Yeah. I'd be a paranoid mess. Because I saw my sister. I think my did sister. Did go through this? Oh, did my dad go through. If my dad could hear this conversation right now, it's hypertension. His heart would just stop. He's 75. He's in great shape. This would end him. Hey, Dad, let's take you back to Titanic. Remember when uh, your daughter was uh, blowing all of Mesa? Uh, 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 my heart. Remember she'd hang around like construction sites and pull out future husbands? Uh, I got to go. He's relaxed now because he got away with it. But, oh, at the time. Dude was stressing. And he was finding out. Yeah. Finding out the wrong way. He didn't see it, but he knew. Like, he knew the the guys that were there. Like, 21, 22-year-old dudes that would roll up to our 16-year-old girl's house and show up. He knew what was going on. That's to the next level when they walk in. uh, Didn't expect them at home. There he is on your daughter, the boyfriend. Hello, Mr. Holmberg. Which so time? many stories. Which oh. time? Try to, try to oh, again, time machine would be awesome. Go back and uh, my sister used to have, like in the, and she was probably like 15, uh, like a roach clip in her hair. And none of, I didn't know. I was a kid. So she just wore a feather. Remember those? Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Like a feather in her hair. And uh, my dad's like, what's with the, what's with the Pocahontas crap? <laughs> It's just a fashion. You don't understand. Then he found out from people at work. That's for smoking the end of a joint. He's like, what? <laughs> and he goes in and he just starts pulling them. Like, You're not wearing these around anymore. I'm not going to raise a whore drug addict. And he always bring up our cousin that was a drug. You want to be like him? Go ahead. Fine. I don't, I don't care anymore. That would be the paranoia for sure. Oh, she was, she's smoking everything. Yeah. Cranks, weed, everything. <laughs> the girl couldn't keep her mouth off of stuff. Hilarious. So, yeah, my dad was losing it. So, yeah, his whole life was just a ball of what's next. If if there was a virginity party, we'd have probably thrown it. <laughs> How come we have one of these every week? She's taking virginities. Oh, my God. That's what we're celebrating? She's deflowering the boys now? It was awesome. And I just sat back with giant bowls of cereal, looking around the room going, I live in madness. And How did Marcy handle all this? I, I don't know. I, I, I halfway hope that my mom... She had a little mini party. I hope my mom halfway was sedated the entire time. <laughs> she was such a... She kept her cool. I don't know. She Kids, never, just keep it discreet for your parents. <laughs> my mom never seemed stressed about it. My mom was always like, all right, what do we got next? My dad, his he was a little volcano. My mom always felt like, all right, let's just get to the next thing. This is... It's not good. But we're going to have to wear. And she knew she had to manage the nutball on top of the slutty behavior. Like, she knew slut was going to make it. Like, the thing that was coming on her. Well, sorry, so to speak. <laughs> the thing that was uh, arriving on her desk later when Dan found out was a bigger deal than whatever she was dealing with with slutty behavior. So the slutty behavior led her to go, all right, I got a game plan for when Looney finds out about this. 
because when the top blower found out about it, so she managed that real well. Like she made it okay for. I think my mom probably had just a, a girl. Just probably dislocated her jaw keeping him calm. <laughs> Give me for a second. I want to. What's going on here? Well, hello. What a, a lovely greeting. Oh, 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 oh. That's a nice way to come home from work. How was your day? Our daughter's pregnant again. Jesus Christ! And it's the best he could do to like. He, he was his legs were too weak to be mad. I think she blew him into submission regularly, and well, then, then we're gonna do the right thing, <laughs> and then broke the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she never had to deliver these she's pregnant news, but there was, we're having a boy over for dinner. Oh, no. He's 27. Jesus Christ. Does he speak English this yeah. time? No, he doesn't. <laughs> Jesus. What are we having? Burritos. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was miserable. And I, and I think I watched that. I think my sister's the reason I'm like, I don't think I want kids. I don't think there's anything about that that makes a man happy. It just looks awful from jump. I just said, uh, you make me think about my uncle uh, with his daughter, my cousin, and yeah. she was, uh, wasn't the Hispanic. It was the families that came out of Iraq in the late 70s. Oh, the, the Middle Eastern. Got, oh, the refugees. There was more Iraq Z-28s in the driveway <laughs> at my uncle's place. <laughs> Your daughter quite beautiful. Here's a rug for virginity. I don't want the rug. Tell Tariq. Well, here's the thing. I want her rug. So you get the rug if I get her rug. Okay, I get you oil. My aunt's like, he smells really good. Yeah, yeah like Dracar. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Loads of it. T-tops. <laughs> by Iraq. It's Berlinetta. Not the best one, but good. I bring Berlinetta. I, I, I make flour go away in Berlinetta. I lost my virginity in Berlinetta to someone with five consonants and a vowel in their name. <laughs> haluch, haluch, I think I'm saying it right. At least that's what it sounds like when I say it, because usually my mouth is full. Haluch, haluch. That's right, baby. That's right. Your daddy get another rug for this one. It's terrible. Yeah, it sounds off. So good luck with your virginity party. And if you've got a kid today, smack it in the back of the head. It's, it's nothing but trouble coming up. And that wife. Oh, man. This poor bastard's leaning on us. He's got nobody to talk to. He us can't, of all people. Well, you know why? Because we don't, you know, it'll go, it'll get, but he can't go to work and go, oh, my daughter's going to, and his friends will judge him, and then they got it, they see it, like, we are safe. It's a good place to vent. Poor sons of bitches. But that is definitely pain. You can, yeah, this guy says, I think there's something to be said about teaching the youth that sex is normal. Uh, wouldn't create this hostage negotiation. I'm always talking about that for guys in the future. 15 years old, though, is way too young. But hey, I don't have kids. So good luck, Pop Pop. Yeah. Enjoy your time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yikes. But when we were 15, that's what you have to guard against. That's a dad's job is to see those raging boners start to circle around your kid. It's like, uh-oh, she's, let, she's, she's presenting. She's letting it off. Get me to a wave pool. Yeah, get her an Iron Maiden. Because these fingers are hungry. I mean, think about it. Now, Iron Maidens were invented by dads. Put this on. I have the key. We're locking her up. And they'd put metal underwear on because that was the only thing stopping it. Yuck. Good luck. 
Having a daughter is the worst, though. I mean, having a son, you got to worry about one crank. You know, having a daughter, you got to worry about every other crank in town. (laughs) Right. I mean, Brady's Brady's now hearing that philosophy, probably. I'm just waiting for that wave of cranks. (laughs) You hear that, Brady? When you got a daughter, you have to worry about all the cranks. You got a son, you only have to worry about one. Brett just decided to plant that seed. All the cranks, all of them. There's three and a half billion of them in the world. Happy Friday. As a father, you got to worry about all of them. Because you know why? All are welcome. Unless you do a bad job. You got to start beating people off. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, like keep them away from your daughter. Not like what I said. That's why she's at a school where she has to wear a habit. They pray and meditate every That's day. That's right. You made a smart thing. You repressed it. <laughs> yeah. So it'll come out in a drug rage. It's different. You put them in a religious school. It, it just slows the process until... Explosion. Until the explosion of drugs and alcohol kick in. The first day they're away from the religious school. Yeah, you got to just put her in a convent as fast as possible. Can't watch that happen. It still finds its way. Oh, Crank finds its way to the convent? Oh, yeah. That's a great album name. That is a great album name. (laughs) We are Malvo's Trunk with our new release, Crank Finds Its Way to the Convent. (laughs) You can't keep it out. Oh, oh. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna have an artist rendering. I don't we don't have any songs, but that's an album right there. Crank looks at the convent. <laughs> uh, let's get a wake up song. Hopefully, off of that album. Five eight five nine eight hundred. That's the number. You tell us what you want to start your Friday with, and we'll do our damnedest to play it. It's ninety eight KUPD. Wake up! Arizona's most powerful rock radio station. He said, "Fully erect." 98. 